my spidey senses tingling. I didn't forget. Uh, welcome to the Paper Cake Podcast. You know what else is unforgettable? That voice. You know it's fleeting. That of Slim. I host the Paper Cake Podcast, episode 73. Uh, we talk about industry news, the books you're reading. Do a little book club, too. You know? A death in the family. Jim Starlin, Jim Amogo, <laughs> Jim Aparo, Amogo, close, so close. Thanks for tuning in to the most popular podcast being recorded in New Jersey right now. Fact. That's fact. That is a solid fact. Let's go around the room. You know, this is a locally recorded show on a mixer. Plugged into a computer, yeah. No little headsets on this show, right? It's not how we ride. For a couple more episodes, anyway. Uh, Can you clap. To my left, his seed is potent. He just had another kid. VP of merch of Paper Keg. Uh, you are a podcast bad boy. You've been called. Yeah, my past. You've been my called past. a uh, Twitter celeb. Have I been? Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. You just passed the 300 mark. We all saw it. Thank you. We were oh all my watching. God. You guys have been paying attention. I didn't. <sighs> wow. I'm always watching. Uh, Dale underscore A. Thanks for being here. It's uh, good to be back. Thank you for having me here again. Right. On the show. Uh, to his left, television, television star, uh, fantasy football draft e drafter, talking about some Megatron something or other football references. He got Megatron. I got Megatron. I was happy. All right, no Calvin one, Johnson. No one even knows what receiver. That means. Hey, what's with the the thing of naming athletes their first and last initial and then their number? When did that become a thing? What are you talking about? Like CB three, Chris Bosh is that is that it? Yeah. CB three. Why is that a thing? Now? We went from football to basketball. Sports. By the way, he didn't drop my name, Mark Farrington. Welcome yourself back to the podcast, reunited, and it feels so good. Right. And I did draft Calvin Johnson, Peyton Manning. Calvin Johnson. And Matt Forte. Dodging my question. We'll move on. He obviously does not want to answer. He's not a football genealogist. Yeah. Where, where am I? Am I right? Our basketball We don't team. talk sports on this show. Uh, Jonesy loves beer. You're making your own comic book. True. By choice. <laughs> I should hope so. Uh, you 
are an emotional guy. True. You're wearing a bright red shirt. That's all I can focus on right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> Same shirt you wore for episode 72. Yeah, that's in my rotation. Hopefully you showered. Doubtful. In the interim. Welcome Doubtful. back. My choice. <laughs> Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for having me at the bowels. Of New it's Jersey. To, yeah. It's good to have you here. Amazing yeah, that we you. even have internet access yeah, keep, in just this keep, state. Keep talking. Keep talking. Uh, last week we dropped a bombshell about the show. Two weeks Two ago. Two weeks ago. You, no. I don't even freaking format. You know? Right? It's a poor fireside. How could we even want to go on this way? It's <laughs> frustrating more for us than anybody else. Uh, we dropped a bombshell. Find, it, find that episode in the iTunes if you want to find out what it was. Right? We're not going to tell you. Nope. Leave us a review on iTunes. <laughs> right. Ten more and we'll still keep going. <laughs> What's happening in the world of news? I don't think anything will be ever be as good as the last news segment uh-huh. that I held two weeks ago. Not last week. <laughs> uh, Philadelphia. Love it. Love the city. Born there. Great city. Yeah. Love it. Lacking in the superhero front. Some would say. Oh, my God. Well, guess what? Philadelphia is getting a superhero relocated to it. What? Venom. Get out, Venom. Legless Flash Thompson. He's got workable legs. (laughs) Thanks thanks to the Venom symbiote. Farming those Spider-Man out. Scarlet Spider went to Dallas. I think he went to Houston. He went to Atlanta. No, no, Texas. I don't read it. Colin Bunn. The new Venom writer. Who's he, who's he replacing? Remendo. Oh, God. Oh, God. Remendo. <laughs> Love you. And editor Tom Brennan, both uh, Drexel University alum. Wow. Alumna. Alumni? Yeah, alumna, I think it is. Alumna, yeah. It's uh, not alumni? No. Right. I don't know. On maybe another planet, Jonesy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm so far off base here. And they are relocating Venom to... Our city. Right. Well, the closest city between us all. Our home. Right. By way of, you know, an hour car ride for me. Yeah. You know. And then $25 parking. Whatever. Just the city of Philadelphia. Yes. And uh, they God are surrounding, he's surrounding himself with uh, new people. That is slamming. And a new tabloid. He's going to, you know, uh, new tabloids in the area. Mm-hmm. New uh, tabloid. Uh, the record? Reporters. Tabloid reporters, the Inquirer, and uh, his new love interest, love interest, the Asgardian Valkyrie. <laughs> lame. Oh God, she's not. She thinks she's lame. She's not Philadelphian, so why? What it's happened? Trouble. You lost me at Valkyrie Asgard. Do I need to? I remind? guess she's coming to Philadelphia. Do too. I need to remind these people that no one gives a crap about Asgard? That's fact. Tell Least Colin, of all Philadelphians. Tell Colin ben- Bun. Did you see uh, Wackers? Stephen Wacker, snark attacked. Yeah, I saw his Twitter uh, feed. Yeah. He was on fire. He was. He was. He was, he was riling up some folks. Oh man, it was beautiful. I pressing the buttons like, about Philadelphia, like the cut of his jib. That's why I won't go back to Westworld Philly. I'll get shanked in the streets. <laughs> That's right. Venom. Yeah. Mark, you reading Venom? Every issue. Yeah. What do you think about his move to Philadelphia, your city? I like it. Our hood needs more superheroes in it. He's gonna get swole. <laughs> Shout out to the car ride. Um, 
like we said, Philly doesn't have a lot of characters in it, but the city's got so much history, versatility, and interesting. Versatility. I think word. it's a good move. Colin Bunn, you know, he wrote that uh, Wolverine uh, thing before Jeff Loeb took over. Oh. When he did the, uh, he tried to uh, redact, is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some of the Wolverine stories that his memory's coming back. Mm, yeah. yeah. Controversial, to say the least. Versatile controversy. You know? What else we got in the world? Oh, my God. Uh, Is that it? Jim Carrey. Ah. Uh, <sighs> your favorite actor. Your parents' favorite actor. <laughs> Mark Wade's favorite actor. He's going to be in the new kick-ass movie. Kick ass two, kick ass ear, <laughs> kick harder. And uh, Mark Millar is so proud of it. He tweeted that. Nineteen ninety three called. They want your casting news back. Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> <laughs> nice transition, Dale. Surpassed the Dark Knight in total earnings. What? Right? What? Is that what I'm reading? Look at that. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. Uh, yeah. By point oh oh two billion. Is that two hundred two hundred million? Is that twenty thousand? Is that twenty million? Two hundred thousand. Two hundred dollars, I think it is. I just checked Slim's math. Alum- right. Alumna. On Calcbot. I just looked It's not alumni. We're sure about this. Uh Dark Knight Rises have we talked to Mark about Rises? We have, right? No, we haven't. No, not. you haven't. I've been the on the four Twitter. of us haven't been together since the movie came out it four like months six ago. Months. It's already out in Blu-ray and DVD. So yeah, it's streaming yeah, right. right now on Netflix. Mark, your thoughts on the final Nolan verse Batman film? I thought it was had an impossible task of following up The Dark Knight, and I think it stepped up to the plate admirably. Mm-hmm. There are things that I saw in this. Bat movie I have never seen in a Batman movie outside of Mask of the Phantasm. Nudity. Um, Bruce being a detective, him actually being smart. Colored bones. Where's Pro- the trigger? Progression, him being happy, a good ending. No guns. <laughs> no killing. Like every Bat fan, I'm asking the question of what comes next. And Nothing. I, no, the studio will do it. And... How do you do it? What did you think of uh, some of the scenes that people were upset about? Him not being able to climb out of the the underground thing. He can just climb up the walls. The underground thing. I was okay with it. The man just had his back broken. I was fine with it. Or his so, spine knocked out of place. Instead of climbing, a prodigious leap would have been much more safe. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I was quite entertained. What about... I even have... I'm sorry, go ahead. What about the character of Batman... Being more than Bruce Wayne, you know, he goes off into the sunset into Florence with Catwoman. Spoilers, everybody. What you think about that? That goes. Everyone's like, that goes against Batman, the character in the comics. Eh? Batman's been around for over seventy years. That's one of the first times we have ever seen him ever have a happy ending. Ever drive off into the sunset and retire. And also, I like. That's the thing that encapsulates everything I love about DC. These characters are bigger than the actual people. There is a legacy. Batman will continue. And they alluded to that. That's what I want to see in the next Batman. I don't even think they should pick up with Joey Gordon-Levitt. It's off the wall and it's off the cusp. Who? I'm telling you, they need to do the next Batman movie as Batman Beyond. 
Uh, so mm. Bruce Wayne is basically an alumna, Batman alumna. At he this is point. a Batman alumna. Super troll over here. <laughs> Chelsea is ready to burst at the seams. <laughs> Can't you? What about uh, one of my personal pet peeves of the movie? The monologuing? That was a little monologue heavy in some when, instances. Uh, Catwoman. It wasn't Fear Agent. That's probably a big issue. Catwoman first, said she was very adaptable. First, very first flaw of any movie I'm adaptable. is that it's not Fear Agent. Second Absolutely. flaw about this one, when he talks to himself on the roof as Batman and says... So that's what that feels like. You got the joke, right? That's from Kingdom Come. No. Did you just highbrow us? No. 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 You can't. No one is writing a Kingdom Come reference in a Christopher Nolan movie. I am telling you. Hold on. Listeners, before you get on Mark's side, realize he was the one that broke the news of Robin Williams as the Riggler. So take that all with a great assault. When the you DVD to the is going right, to ex- show that explain scene. Explain the reference to me, the alleged reference. The reference is in Kingdom Come when Superman needs Batman's help. We're just throwing at the end of the Kingdom wall. Come. He is begging him. You got to come with us. You got to come with us. So Batman's like he gives him the clue that helps him end the story. But as Batman turns around, Superman is gone. And he says, so that's what that feels no. like. Which makes totally sense when Catman, or Catman, Catwoman <laughs> does this in the movie. I miss Catman references. All right. So my point being, I don't give a hoot about this alleged reference, which I think is false. But Batman, why would Batman talk in that voice by himself? To himself. Why would he even make a statement out loud at that point? Right. <laughs> yeah. That's... Why wouldn't he just keep it in his head? Right? Or just a... Shrug I shrugged. Shoulders. I shrugged right there. <laughs> I uh, guarantee you that there were some nerds in the theater, myself included. It's like ah, so okay. just you, hardly. You are like, oh my god, that's got to be a Kingdom Come reference, or I'll <laughs> rip my own ear off. No, what mic. I did was I saw it. He, the camera turns, Batman turns with him. I'm like, she's not going to be there. Camera turns back, she's not there. I'm thinking, say the line, say the line, say the line. And Superman so was off in the distance. Like. Superman was did flying you, in the sky. So you Kingdom came. <laughs> What's it like to crack wrong, yourself man. up? <laughs> Seriously, I'm the funniest person I know, Mark. Uh, what about the drop in realism over the course of the trilogy? Now, the third movie had the president and a nuclear bomb in it. It's a bat. It's we're watching a movie about Batman. How realistic I'm can not it being be? Combative, Mark. I'm on your side. Batman when, Begins was pretty realistic, bro. And um, he, Mark, you or Jonesy, you're being out of line. You need to calm yourself I'm right now. I. And when he got attacked <laughs> by that great white shark and he had the Batman shark repellent. <laughs> that was a great movie. Some moment. days you can't get rid of a bomb. Uh, great movie. <laughs> what about when uh, Joey Gordon-Levitt, as you call him, was going, was going to pick up that paperwork and then he's like, it might be under my real name and everyone in the audience got a huge erection and was like, he, the, uh, they're going to say Dick Grayson. They're going to say so-and-so. And he says, Robin, your thoughts. I was that guy. I said, he's going to say Dick Grayson, Robin. I wanted them to push for Dick Grayson. I wanted them to say Dick Grayson. Mm-hmm. My buddy made a good point. He's like, Mark, there's about 70, 80% of the theater who, if he said Dick Grayson, they would have just nodded their head and been like, oh, I get it. But when you say Robin, you get 99%. I don't like it, but so I got it. Your thoughts it. on Michael Henley being the voice of reason? Uh, I hate it, but he actually, went th- I think he agreed with me. Um, I didn't like it, but I got it. I'm cool with it. 
Mm-hmm. I wish they threw in Dick Grayson. I was hoping for it. Mm-hmm. Dark Knight Rises, quote Mark Farrington, I'm cool with it. Admirable. The Remember when we had a format? was admirable. Yeah. Yeah. Like news, comics. We just went over the news. Dark Knight Rises. This, sure. this episode is posting in the Dark Knight November. Rises interview hour. We might as well talk the about the next Dark sequel's Night already Rises. out. So uh, Joey Gordon-Levitt has just signed on to uh, <laughs> play the Batman character. You remember Chris Reeve? He started Superman. Let's talk about comic books. What did you guys talk about when I wasn't right around? Now. You mostly. Uh, That's a sad, sad show. Mark Farrington, what did you read this week? What did I read this week? Go to the Miss Marvel the number forty-seven. You just picked a book out of your head. Miss <laughs> Marvel number forty-seven. Miss Marvel. What? This is the now Captain Marvel uh, character. The wheels are coming off, boys. You know what? I don't have a review. It was good. Read it. Look what you did. You made him upset, yeah. Jonesy. You teased him, and now he doesn't even want to talk about it. You do that to me constantly, <laughs> and I still go on. You know what? We are digressing. Uh, Miss Marvel number forty-seven. Brian Reed and Mike McCone. Mm -hmm. I read it because I read Captain Marvel or one of the Avenging Spider-Man books and saw that Peter Parker and Miss Marvel had a relationship. Sexy. But I didn't know where it came from, so I read this. To help uh, Miss Marvel out with the case, she apparently went to Spider-Man, and he helped her in return for a favor. He wanted a date with her later on, back in their civilian clothes. So after wrapping up a case, she tracks down Spider-Man, Says, hey, you know what? I owe you a date. Let's go get dinner. They what? go to a classy restaurant. Uh, Pete's broke as usual. Of course. He gets, uh, wow, Carol Danvers to pay for it. And it's just one of the most painfully awkward dates imaginable. They got nothing in common outside of the Avengers stuff. He thinks she's prim and proper. She can't really get a hold of him. Meanwhile, agents of Hammer decide to burst in because at the time they're still wanted by Norman Osborn and his troops. That pretty much breaks up the monotony of the date. They take care of them. Then they go off and get a hot dog in a street corner. And as they're sitting there eating the hot dog, they realize they have more in common than they thought they did. Pete's like, well, if you like hot dogs and street vendors, why would we go to some fa- fancy vegetarian restaurant? It's like, I didn't want you to think I just eat junk food all the time. And Pete just stops and goes, wait a minute, you actually care what I think of you? And it ends with them looking over the city saying, no, this is nice. It was cool. I don't really get to see Spider-Man thrown off his game and be awkward and be just on a bad date. It was a nice read. I like their relationship. I'm going to read that now. Determined. What, what if it doesn't? What, what issue? 47. Can't believe she had an old series that lasted that long. Is that Brian Reed? She actually had, yes. Miss mm-hmm. Marvel had the longest running series of any female in a Marvel book. That's Going up good. to 50 issues, I want to say. I think the first four trades of that. I gotta get the rest of those. Really? Jewels. This yeah. is a side of you I've never seen. <coughs> it's marvelous. I, th- I heard that that issue has a variant cover with Spider Man wearing a Miss Marvel t shirt and he's on his yeah. knees <laughs> on a plush rug. Umberto Ramos drew that, I think. No, the that guy who drew Naked Jason. Gambit. <laughs> the guy who drew Naked Gambit drew it. Clay Man. Uh, Clay let's man. go around the room. And Jonesy's still in a timeout. So we're going to go to oh, Dale underscore A, family man. He's got kids. He reads comics. What did you read? Hmm. Pathfinder, number one. Oh, God. 
big uh, Pathfinder, for the folks who don't know, is a role-playing system, uh-huh. much like the Dungeons & Dragons uh, rule set. It's another rule set. So there's Dungeons & Dragons, there's Pathfinder, there's, you know, what what else is there? Burning Wheel. Rift. Rifts. Shadowrun. Um, so Pathfinder is uh, much in the same vein of a Dungeon & Dragons. It's uh, dragons, goblins, orcs, dwarves, elves, that that sort of genre. That ilk. That ilk. And uh, Pathfinder is uh, uh, published by Paizo, a Paizo system. They're the publishers of the, the books. Jim Zub, our boy from Skull Kickers. <laughs> Zub wrote this? Yeah. Oh, he I'm was uh, tapped train. to uh, launch the Pathfinder comic, and uh, Jim Zub delivers. Andrew Huerta. Really? On art, and uh, Ross Campbell. I just say art on pencils. Ross Campbell on, <coughs> uh, what's it called? Inks? Inks? Colors? Colors, I mean colors. And uh, Pathfinder number one is uh, exactly like a storyline if you would be sitting around a table getting ready pa- getting ready to play Pathfinder game it's like a scenario out of like the back of the Dungeon Master's Guide how like you would first set your players off on an adventure of uh, these guys are headed to town they get uh, tapped because the town is being invaded nightly by goblin raids and, uh, you know, these guys are out for their mercenaries. They'll do it for money. You pay them. They'll take care of the goblin problem. So um, it's a human fighter, an elven thief, and a human sorceress. But she's, like, from another land. Like, she's kind of, like, earthy and savage and she's got tattoos stuff like that. Nice. Um, it, it reads really great. If, if, if this kind of setting is your bag... Jim Zub and Pathfinder. You don't know, have to know anything about the Pathfinder role-playing system to enjoy the book because it's, uh, you know, there's no, like, references to the game. Uh, great great story. And he's setting it up to be some something fun. He's, it seems like he's writing for the trade, uh, as I like to say. So I it, do. What's that? As somebody who wants to read this because I love Jim Zub on Skull Kickers, is this more like the DD comics where it's kind of like... There's like a hovering sponsorship behind it where they need they feel the need to reference like you remember D and D the comic referenced some forty stuff and then uh, you know there was never winter and there was a ton of tie-ins that you kind of had to be plugged into the D and D world to get or is this more like a fantasy um, setting with Pathfinder references? That's that's actually I didn't think about that, but there are references to like the Pathfinder Chronicles. Which I imagine is something that somebody who read the Pathfinder Player's Handbook would know. There are instances like that, but it doesn't take away from the story. Because if you don't, like, I don't know anything about Pathfinder. I know it's loosely based around a 3.5 rule set of D&D. But, um, you know, you don't need to know any of that to just get this, get something out of the story. I thought the, uh, there might have been a, there was an issue possibly with sequential art. I think that's the term I'm looking for. I don't know, because um, I don't I don't know what, but it just doesn't seem like the art was telling the story as good as Jim Zub wanted it to flow. Hmm. Like it wasn't flowing as well. Is that sequential art? I don't know. Maybe I think so. Um, 
but I think it's worth reading and worth sticking around for because Jim Zub and uh, the guy guy delivers, you know? Jay Zub. Yeah. That's what his friends call him. If you like Skull Kickers, read this. It's less comedy, but, you know, there's still comedy in it because the, the human fighter, he likes to drink like a prototypical... Alcoholic? You know, RP character or alcoholic. Yeah. You know who else he is, a, a is a really lovable alcoholic? Heath Houston from Fear <laughs> Agent. <laughs> nice transition. Mm-hmm, 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 uh, mm-hmm. I was going to talk a little bit about Fear Agent, but I'm going to hold off. I'm going to let the comic speak for itself. Uh, just go read it right now. Okay. Revival mm. from Image Comics. Mm-hmm. You seen this? You heard about this? I read the first issue. Um, people die. Mm. This is just a fact of life. My word. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything. Everyone in this room is going to die at some point. Oh, my God. Something's happening in this town, though. The dead are coming back as if they never died. You know, they're not zombies. They're not mindless freaks. But, you know, let's say Jonesy croaks. He has one too many five hours eating a sandwich while driving. Mm-hmm. And he crashes into a telephone pole. He, God. you know, he, wa- accurate, he right. wakes up in the hospital and thinks everything's all right. I survived. I'm going to go home. Turns out he died. Mm. But he's just going about life. So something's happened in this town. They're not fit. They're, they think the rapture happened or some kind of miracle is happening where the dead are being revived. Uh, there's the, the CDC is there. They're like quarantining these people. Um, you follow the character of this uh, female. She's the daughter of the sheriff. They've got some father-daughter issues happening where there's there's a lack of respect. And uh, the other daughter is there's a a, rev- a very cool reveal that connects the family to these uh, revivers. And uh, this, I think it was great. Hmm. Very interesting. Pick it up. Yeah, I like the uh, first issue. I, and uh, Mike Norton. Great stuff on art. Great stuff. Tim Seeley wrote it, I think. Mm-hmm. Is that the guy? Yeah. That, did he do Hack and Slash? Hack Slash? Yeah, I think he d- does all that. I Am think. I the only person on the planet that think that book is called Hack and Slash? Hack and Slash, right? It I is, right? Just, I think it's just called Hack Slash. What it, that's, I feel like that's a whole like group of people that I will never... Yeah, like, that I don't is, even know. That's a very that specific audience, I think. Hack What's that book slash? about? Anybody read it? I think, wasn't it? Never was read it. Was it an anime? Was it, uh, that's what, what I thought. It was an anime, anime. anime. Oh, really? I believe. Yeah, I think that's anime. Or an, or games. Or anime and games. Like Pokemon kind of stuff. I'm way out of my wheelhouse here. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's get to you. Okay. Right. You've been chomping at the bit. <laughs> believe it or not. Coincidentally, I picked Skull Kickers as my book this week. Really? Not knowing you were picking Pathfinder. Jim's up, Keg. And uh, I actually went back to the Jones Kives <laughs> and read um, Skull Kickers 15 because I've been kind of playing catch up. I'm a few issues behind. You got a kid on the way. I do. Your time has been monopolized. Very much so. Um, but anyway, 14 started this story of uh, an Old West bounty hunter who asked a demon for a magical pistol and uh, now this is the conclusion where this cowboy is now um, the price for this gun was to become the demon slave 
and the first half of the book is um, the cowboy kind of like killing a bunch of monsters so the demon can feed on it. And the you know the climax of the book is the demon is going to reach out into many worlds and many times and release all its eggs so it can do this again on other planets. Uh, the funny part is the demon has tra- uh, trained um, the cowboy so well that as soon as the cowboy realizes the demon itself is a monster, it like breaks free of the mind control and kills it. In the aftermath, though, it gets sucked through one of the many portals it's opening into the world of Skull Kickers, and you realize the cowboy is really one of the main characters all along. The transition to the Skull Kickers, Skull Kickers world uh, took all of his hair from his whole body, and it's really baldy, the, like <laughs> the one one half of the the duo, right? And uh, I mean, <laughs> this this book is so funny. I, I don't, I can't do the jokes justice. So, right. But uh, I mean, it's a pleasure to read. There, at one point, he gets a, he's naked in the wilderness with just the gun. He gets surrounded by uh, cobalts, and they're all going to ca- kill him. And he, you know, he goes to fire his gun, and nothing comes out. And he doesn't get it. And all of a sudden, he vomits up ammunition. And he's like, I f- hate magic. And then he loads <laughs> the gun, and he shoots it. And then it's, you know, then it back to the main story. So this whole two issues was like a side story of uh, the main plot line. This book is just so good. I, I mm-hmm. don't understand why everybody doesn't read Skull Kickers. It's so, even if you hate D&D or Mark, you hate fantasy, noir, all that stuff, you should really give it a shot. It's uh, good, good stuff. It's nice. Mark, good you want to get out of here and go somewhere? You Say what? Leave these two to, to these books. No, I'm good. My fantasy draft's over. Although I did <laughs> want to ask who... What imprint is that on? Uh, image. Is it? It's an image book, mm-hmm. but it wasn't right. I thought they were self-publishing for a while. Um, I don't know. Maybe they were. I actually wanted to leave with Mark during that discussion. That's <laughs> no worries. There's plenty of there's plenty for Jonesy and I to talk about. Dale you guys and I should I, do your own show or something. Well, Dale well. and I were featured on the Skull Kickers website. Did you know this? I really think. Wait, yeah. you 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 too? Yeah, we, we had a we had tweeted about it. And uh, like copied in Jim Zub's Twitter name, so I guess at some point he won on the paper keg to listen, and I had made a joke against Mark saying that Skull Kickers is a slamming book, and he quoted that and tagged it on his website. It was pretty funny. Where are you going to get your exposure to black people? Come at the end of the season. <laughs> uh, I don't know. They're gonna when I they do know. if they ever do their own show they're gonna have they're gonna do a blackface character. Oh lord, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, sadly that's, that's not that far. Dark off. Farrington. <laughs> I think that was accidentally racist. <laughs> You're stealing half of my drunken alias. But sorry, sorry. That's a conversation for another time. Darkest what? Wayne, Dark Kent, <laughs> Dark Kent, Dark Kent. Uh, we are running out of time. Sorry, we need to get into the lightning round and maybe get a little bit more PC on this show. Okay. Why? All right. What are they gonna do? Kick us out of iTunes. Uh, Mark Farrington, two sentences or less. Not give us New York Comic Con press passes. What's I don't know. another book you read? Justice League number 12. Superman and Wonder Woman hooking up was way overhyped. 12 issues and one year in, and this book continues to be a waste of time, money, and trees. Oh my gosh. Right. Stars and garters. In heavens. Mm-hmm. Dale underscore A. All-Star Western, number 12. 
I just popped popped back in on my boy Jonah Hex to see where we were at. I kind of feel like I should be reading this book. Last time, Fear Agent 32. Spoilers, skip ahead 30 seconds. To quote, uh, no Tataldians, no invasion. My son is alive. Joy so pure it dilutes the pain. Recreated the universe. Saved humanity. Never gave up. John D. Lipsbeer. That's in the book. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Amazing Spider-Man 692. Uh, introduced a sidekick to Spidey by the name of Alpha. <laughs> the name of... Really, I'm not really sure if I like it. Dot, dot, dot. Just tell me what's in your head, Stephen Wacker, please. <laughs> a death in the family. Batman. Jim Aparo, Jim Starlin. What's happening in the world of Batman, Mark Farrington, in this storyline? Now or then. Uh, in this storyline. In this storyline, now. Yeah. I just missed the dramatic segue. <laughs> it's a long time ago. Dick Grayson has grown up and outgrown his role of Robin, is now Nightwing. There's a new lad, Jason Todd, Bruce Wayne's second ward and also second Robin. Jason is not the partner Dick Grayson was. He's impulsive, he's arrogant, he's brash, cruel, and he doesn't like authority. Book starts off with Batman and Robin breaking up a child pornography ring. It's supposed to be a by the books, uh, by the books pornography breakup. Absolutely, exactly. Turns out Jason doesn't like following orders. He takes unnecessary risks and almost blows Batman's case. Almost blows the collar. Bruce benches him. Jason doesn't like it. Decides that he is just going to go continue doing what he wants to do. Come to find out that Jason, just by crazy random happenstance, happens to come across a woman who's got some of his old possessions. He finds out that his mother might still be alive. They go over to, is it Saudi Arabia? Is it Iraq? Lebanon or Beirut. Breaking Bruce's orders, Jason goes there by himself to start investigating one of three women who might be his mother. Through process of elimination, we learn that the third one is, in fact, Jason's mother. But lo and behold, she has a connection to the Joker. Bruce, by chance, comes across Jason while he's trying to track the Joker. They decide to team up. Bruce gives him standing orders to wait for him. Do not engage. Do not do anything. Jason naturally doesn't listen. He winds up getting falling into a trap sprung by his mother. And unfortunately, spoilers, he doesn't walk away from his battle with the Joker. This was revolutionary back in 1988. Blue minds. Well, and this was all because... DC ran a contest, didn't they? Like, yeah, they thought people hated Jason Todd, so they did like a telephone hotline, a one nine hundred number. Yeah, 
cost them like 50 cents or something. To see what happened to them, dead or alive. And you'll never guess how many votes made the difference. How many? 72. 72 more people. 53, 71 voted to kill them, and then 52 and some change voted to save them. How amazing is it that the first, like, paragraph of the story is that they're breaking up a child pornography ring? I I thought it was like... I thought it was he- pretty heavy stuff. I was like, what? "It was this book was like, very heavy." Yeah, it was um, very more adult themed or oriented or for mature readers. And the, the fact there's like they threw around the fact there was a child pornography ring. I was just like, "What in the world?" Yeah, is going on an odd little locale for this iconic storyline. I felt. Yeah. Uh the I I'm trying to think if I if it held up or not, but I wrote I'm trying to think of what I wrote down. The kitty porn ring I wrote down um his who ended up the woman who ended up being his mother. They kind of alluded to her being kicked out because she was doing abortions. Anyone else pick up on that? Yeah. I got that. Yeah. I thought like yeah. she was helping out young girls, and so she pretty much lost her practice because she was doing illegal abortions. Uh, jo- uh, Joker speaking Lebanese <laughs> cracked me up. Like Joker speaking a foreign language. Farsi, <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a couple other things we can get to him, but the the overall thing I thought that the, the uh, Jason Todd's death is still very violent. Even for like today, by today's standards, I think this book was bizarre, unnecessarily cruel, and probably the most intentionally racist four yeah. issues of comics I've ever read. That like in the scene where he's getting beat to death, why do they have to pan to the mother nonchalantly lighting a cigarette? Like I don't even care that my son's getting beat to death with a crowbar right now. Like why? She turned she him was in a so fast. Yes, yeah. she was. I, I literally asked my own self why while reading these four issues. I, I mean, just it was it was bad. And then to bait us again by he survived it just to be blown up, yeah, running out the that. door. I mean, and like, why would you put somebody through the ringer like this for a contest? I mean, it, wasn't she doing good? Was she doing good in in that area? Was she helping World Hunger or something? She was. And she, the Joker just comes and be like, hey, I got some dirt on you. She's he's like, all right, well, that's free license to be a scumbag, I guess. So it, I'm going to watch my son get beaten to death with a crowbar. Yeah, that the, her like about face literally made no sense. There was no allusion to her being a dirtbag outside yeah. of allegedly performing illegal abortions, which I, some people, I guess, would consider dirtbaggery. Uh, yeah. But well, in '88, I'm sure it was still like sure. a huge hot topic. And what's what the H was with Batman, like the the most irresponsible guy ever in his whole career in these four issues. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, how about that? Wait, black, wait, wait. What's your beef with Batman in this? He just he didn't feel like the Batman that I knew. This yeah, this was like the absolute '80s Batman, and I jokingly post posted pictures of it <laughs> where he's got the leisure suit leisurely poses. crossing his legs with his suit on leisurely like that era of the new adventures batman where sitting with commissioner gordon just on a couch like the batman of today doesn't do that he doesn't sit on a couch in broad daylight talking with gordon the hot rod batmobile yeah i thought this was in character with bruce because this is an earlier version of him this is 
aside from the death of his parents, this is the most dramatic thing that's ever happened to Bruce. You could argue that his mission was almost becoming stale, and this reinvigorated, this reaffirmed him being who he is. And on top of that, I look at it like with the first kid, with Dick Grayson, that was his first son. So he was, Dick got away with everything. He was, no other way around, he was a little bit harder with him. He was stricter, more rules, but Dick turned out to be okay. And then this is his second son. This is the one that, all right, well, I guess I can kind of lay off. Maybe I was a little hard the first time around. Have to. And then with this one, get nervous. he kind of, Jason went his own way. The same rules that he applied to the first Robin didn't work for the second. If he gave Dick Grayson an order, he would have obeyed it. Nobody, nobody disobeys a direct order from Batman. I, I just thought it was weird that Batman and Alfred would rather sit in like a lounge chair and talk S about Jason rather than stop him and try to like give him the help he needs. Like, it seems like every conversation was like, oh, wow, the lad's acting up again. Like, I don't know, it just didn't pan well. Uh, I just, I couldn't get it. And then all the parts with the Joker, just wearing like a turban and, yeah, that was and hard. being like, and that awful conversation with Superman in the last issue where he's like, tell me who the diplomat is. <laughs> tell me who it is. And we all know who it is. So why? That, he just wanted to hear him say But it. why do we have to have six pages dedicated to that conversation? I, thought, I actually liked his discussions I, with so uh, Superman. Maybe, maybe I'm the odd man out here these last couple of recordings. But uh, I, I do have a question for the uh, the genealogist. Is this the first appearance of Lady Shiva? No. No? It's like... One of the, it's up there, but it's not the number one first appearance. I mean, the only the only time I remember her is when she trains Tim Drake in the Robin miniseries. Mm-hmm. And then she, she makes an appearance Bruce again. in Hush. She retrained Bruce when After the Bane broke fall. him. Yeah. And it, she goes on to become or is regarded as the world's greatest fighter. Yeah. I'm so like, there's, the book was... I liked the book, and it was so absurd to me at the same time. Like, a lot that I liked about it was really, I mean, there was really, like, a lot of detective-y stuff. Even even through the absurdity of it all, he was, like, still a detective more so than what you could possibly read in in other Batman story arcs. Uh, You know, whether that was kind of forced, or whether, you know, he was a detective because he saw people buying illegal medical supplies because there was a big red cross on the box. So he figured they were medical supplies. Like He's like, oh, they're medical supplies because it's a big white box with a red cross on it. Or he, he saw the, the, the tire treads of the military yeah. thing, so he put two and two together that because Joker is broke, he's selling military-grade weapons to right. a European Yeah, that's country. a pretty big leap. So he automatically knew that's what was happening. <laughs> it was like... Yeah, but ha- it just took freedoms and leaps, like to get from one thing to the other. To the what are the? the he didn't even take that clue to the back computer. He just knew that was the tire trend. What are the chances that him and <laughs> Jason Todd meet? Yeah, in, in where were they? Was it Beirut? Beirut? And then you remember the line where it was like, "I'm glad I brought this extra back glider along." I just must have been thinking that I'd run into <laughs> yeah. him in his Land Rover. It felt I would have better if he didn't explain it. It felt <laughs> what, that's what, true. I didn't think of that. It felt like. Uh, I don't know if it was that the 80s Batman it felt almost like an Adam West era where some of the ways Batman would say things 
I would try to like read as the Adam West Batman, where it's all it's like so over the top. Batman sitting down. Yeah, it like, felt I always come, like it was should be older than the eighties. 88. Yeah. I feel like That's the way to put it. I always come back to him sitting on the couch, and then there's another uh, issue where he's on the couch with Gordon, like 10 issues or 20 issues previous, where he's walking through Gotham City in broad daylight, (laughs) and, like, the thugs say, hello to Batman, and he's like, hello, gentlemen, or, like, good day, gentlemen. Like, that epitomizes this era of Batman where it's completely over the top. Adam Westian, you know... Just deal with what's happening right now. It doesn't make sense, but it's happening. What shocked me was I read this when I was nine, and I just remember thinking it was a cool comic, and oh my gosh, Robin dies. But reading it now as a 30-year-old guy, um, what stuck with me more is the death of Jason and Batman's reaction to it. I loved the few pages where Bruce drives up and he sees the shed in flames, and he's just going through everything all over again. Like, I should have done this. I should have done that. I knew he was hurting, but I shouldn't have put him in costume. And then he comes across Jason's dead mom as she's dying, and her last words are basically, he was a good kid, I messed up. He even jumped on the bomb to save me. And it's just like, the impact was more. Is she, she's automatically remorseful. She just tur- She just watched her son get beat in the back. She's just Bloody hoping that Batman gives her painkillers, so yeah, she'll exactly. tell him anything just, he wants to yeah. hear. Oh, come on, but... You keep going to the next page and then comes across Jason's body and the panels, I love them. One look yeah, tells a like, story. There's no need to check for a pulse, but I do anyway. Yeah, that that whole sequence is very deep and dark. Yeah. Like, I was just sitting there, like, Rob, like trying to imagine this in present day. Like, Robin is dead. Like, the current Robin is, is a corpse on this page. Yeah. How? how... And he's that panel where he's just clutching Jason's body. Mm-hmm. Like it, like those those sequences were so well done, and everything else around it was just smushed together to fit. The into pendulum like swings the so far in this book; it really yeah. did between Goofy and the most deep S you will read in, in four issues of comics. And then, like they just because the Joker's in Iran, they just. Like he's the ambassador to yeah. the UN of like how random and, and the like the Iranian president is like uh, snidely whiplash like twirling his mustache hey Joker how would you like to be my ambassador to the UN and like four pages ago there, right? some poor twelve year old kid lost his life <laughs> like this blows my mind that people regard this so highly sorry world the um, sorry world. I'm trying to go back into the, I like the the issue that I reference all the time with Gordon and him on the couch, is the same series where they first introduced Jason Todd. I think it's the when they rebranded Batman as the New Adventures underneath the title Mark, uh, 1987, 408. It's like the cover is Jason Todd stealing the tire off the Batmobile. It was a long time ago. Um, stealing tires off the Batmobile. But the That's death it. in the family is. A year later, and in that series, he's a kid. But in Death in the Family, he's almost like an adult. He looks like he's seventeen or eight, like or twenty-five. I, I wonder be. how they did that in the comics, where he jumps from being because even in this book, they show him as like a kid stealing the tire. And in this, and in, in comics, it's it was like twenty issues before that. I wonder how they did that. You know what? That's probably a testament to just how much they wanted to get Jason off the board. Yeah, I mean, I remember. The fan backlash was that he usurped Dick Grayson's role, 
and I guess I just didn't grasp it until now. They wanted him out quick because it wasn't too long after this that they introduced him, Drake. Mm -hmm. And they made sure, even from an editorial standpoint, they made sure that they incorporated Dick Grayson in Tim's origin. And they had a scene where Dick basically gives him his blessings. Like, hey, I'll vouch for this kid. I'm okay with this. Yeah. The uh, another stuff I wrote down, which I thought were silly, uh, when when Batman tells uh, Jason Todd to like relax, and he had to be more serious in this line of work. We had to take this business more serious. It was just like, a, like I'm dressing up as a bat and fighting child pornographers. <laughs> like yeah. this is the most absurd situation right. ever. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, the ending, I thought, happened out of nowhere. Where the Joker, like, the Joker and the helicopter going down and then the end of the issue with, like, Batman's dealing with him not being caught is all, like, a half page. Yeah, yeah. And how it's unresolved. And Batman's just like, oh, that's just the way things go between Joker and I. It's like, that's yeah. all you're going to give us after all this? And he's, his, like, in the last panel, his arms are crossed. Like, he's, <laughs> like and he's upset. Was, and then um, Batman telling Superman, it's like, find the body. And, yeah, and, yeah, he's gone. Why wouldn't Superman find the body? He has X-ray vision. He, he's he Superman. Is, he has to scan the ocean and tell you Batman. Remember in Hush when he was able to eliminate a microscopic tracking device of Bruce's skull? Yeah, by like yeah. blinking real hard. <laughs> you tell me he can't find the corpse in an ocean. But then, like, like I agree with Slim. I but I do like when Batman and Superman were first interacting about. You know, Superman had to stop. Batman from growing apes yeah. because the Joker or somebody was going to be there, and um, the one line that's it's like it's still poignant. Oh, it's always poignant. Superman's. Uh, I wonder why I always have the feeling he knows something I don't, and I just thought that, yeah, was, that so, was a good line. I, I thought that's that a cool line. line because it's the absolute truth with Batman. I mean, you always got to be on your guard or take everything he says with a grain of salt because he, he always knows something you don't. How about the part where Batman goes and confronts the Joker before the final confrontation? He's like, I just want to give you one last chance to surrender before I do what I got to do. Joker laughs in his face. And then Batman mentions Jason by name to him. That threw me so far out of the book. It was ridiculous. There was a, yeah, there's a part where Joker enters the UN and stares at Bruce Wayne for like eight panels. Yeah, that, does he like they allude to? Are they saying that Joker knows who Batman is at that point? Why would why else would they stare at each other like that? There was, I think there was some sort of like monologue where Bruce is wondering, does he know by now? Can he yeah. figure it out? And that was right after when he tells him, in dressed up as Batman, says, "I wasn't sure if I can hold you responsible for what happened to Jason." And it's just, whoa, whoa, that's a secret identity bomb. Why don't you calm down right. on that? I wonder calm if down. Joker knew he was Batman. Gen Z, you, you've, you've, you're done with this book. No, you're, no, no, you're, no, no, you're no, no, not at all, not at all. I uh, sunk it into the couch. You're upside down on the couch <laughs> right now. <laughs> no, I, I mean, that's a, uh, I don't oh, know. There's the sigh. There I, it is. That wasn't the sigh. Don't drink. <laughs> it's you just that. I, <sighs> everybody put your drinks down. Do not drink to that. You know what I liked um, a lot better was the way they chose to do this book in um, Under the Hood, the Batman animated film. Did you guys see that? Mm-hmm. Remember the first 20 minutes where they kind of do a, I guess, more serious 
well, I guess more consistently serious take on the storyline. Yeah, I do remember. It's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for your input. No problem. <laughs> You've already laid the groundwork that you hate this book. No, no, no. How about no, it listen. being like forty pages? Each issue was like forty. Was the okay. first two, which which is weird. oh really? I thought the, it was each one. The first three were, I think. Oh, maybe the first three. And then that explains the why one. the ending was so abrupt. I'm looking at the trade paperback I pulled out the collection, and this was four ninety five back in the day. What four ninety five? That's ridiculous. Although I did pay four dollars for this when I bought it. I'm looking at the panel that Jim Apero did of. Jason, Amigo. instead of when he was, Amigo. Batman was clutching Robin's body when he was dead. It's the one, the alternate page of him being alive because they weren't sure just how the voting Wait, was going to go. It's in your thing? Let me, let me page the page through it. Let's see it. It is right there. It's pretty much just Jim Apero's pencils with Batman holding Robin in his arms. Has that book around camera. Batman looks up at the camera and says he's alive. Batman is literally insane in this picture. It's he like is. he just snapped. It would actually be even better if he looks like he's he getting was, ready to eat. Robin. <laughs> this is this should be the alternate version where Jason Todd is dead and Batman loses his mind. It <laughs> yes. says he's alive and he like prances him around <laughs> as a corpse as his like partner. Psycho. Yeah, like, Start uh, brushing brushing Robin's hair. Weekend at Bernie's Robin edition. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Robin Lomax. I still think it's so lame that he's alive in the new Fifty Two. You know what? The way they brought him back was bad, but the, under the Red Hood, the story was incredible. It was great to have somebody so close to Batman just F with him royally. Somebody who, like you said, Dale, Batman's always one step ahead of you. But to have somebody that he trained where he's keeping up with him and sometimes one step ahead of him made for some great drama. Under I, the, I've, never re- I've never read the comic version. Under the Red Hood was a great comic. I mean, Jonesy, I lent you my trades. What'd you think of it? No, I... I, I that's <laughs> You know what? Go ahead and drink to that. I liked I'll it to, to a certain point. Um... I didn't think some of it was, well, it's a comic book, so it's take it with a grain of salt, I say this, but some of it didn't seem plausible. But I like the fact that Ra's al Ghul would F with Bruce by resurrecting. Um, I thought, I thought or he Talia came, did. I can't remember. It's been so long since I read it now. I thought, yeah. I I thought he came back because uh, Prime Earth 2 Superman hit a wall and then that brought him back to life. Or was that something else? It did, but he was still kind of brain damaged and not healthy. Uh-huh. So Talia al Ghul threw him in a Lazarus pit and this Classic. infuriated Raish. She goes, at, at the end, they're chasing him down. They say, you know what? Let him go. If anything, it'll be a distraction for the detective. So Jason uh, is being backed by Talia. She's giving him money. She's letting them stay at their safe houses. And she goes, oh, by the way, Bruce never avenged you. And that just makes Jason snap. He's like, you know what? I thought he loved me. I thought that was my dad. And to find out that the guy who killed me is still walking the streets? No. How about the internal monologue when uh, when Batman has to make the decision whether to go after Jason Todd or go after the nuclear device? Right. And he's like, I just hope I can. he can live with my decision or something like that. Like, <laughs> not for dirt <laughs> You dirtbag. Uh, Batman. Batman. Yeah, I did like at the end where he says no more... Or he, he said he alludes to no more partners, or like it's just me from now yeah, on. Yeah, he's got to keep going. I mean, it's literally insane that he has a youthful partner still. Like <laughs> it is. It, it just doesn't make like I get he's just dressing up as a bat, Batman to fight crime. But if you putting that aside, having a youthful partner, right? Just prancing think of around. It, you know, you guys are fathers. Would you want your son to grow up and fight crime with you? 
I mean, that's, you know, you don't want to put them in harm's way. Maybe. Maybe. Also, it would be super yeah. awesome. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's got to be. Uh, death in the family. Uh, Mark, where does this rank with your all-time favorite bat bucks? It ranks pretty high, not for execution, but importance to Batman. This is a milestone moment. I don't think you can read it and not think that, like you guys have said, the pendulum swings from really absurd to really dramatic and potent. It it was good. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I did too. Mignola covers. Oh, God. Mignola. What a show. That's, That's a good show. show. Drew Aiken. Uh, okay. Only a few episodes left. Until we do Sandman, right? Episode 76. And Criminal. Mm-hmm. And the cr- unaired episode of My Heart. That's right. Uh, throw us a, a review for old time's sake in the iTunes if you have time. If you get to 10, we'll, we won't stop, right? Someone said that. I don't know how. Can't make bad promise. Um, what an absolute delight this episode was. Absolute delight. Going out with a bang. We'll see everybody... Next week.